This is your host, John Snyder, for The Walk. We have a special interview today for hopeful or experienced writers trying to navigate their way through the maze of publishing. No fluff, just the real stuff. That's what you get with these two guests joining us in this episode. With their combined 30-plus years of experience in publishing, they offer individualized coaching at every stage of your journey. Diana Flagel and Eddie Jones are here to share their journey and answer writers' questions about the craft and the industry. So my, my journey, um, I, the faith journey, how I got where I am, which is uh, currently helping authors um, write, it goes back to something that happened at the Blue Ridge Conference in 2005. I went to the conference, didn't want to go. Um, a friend basically forced me to go with him uh, to this conference because he'd won an award and wanted to become a better writer and he knew that I was already writing. So reluctantly I went. Uh, Al Gansky made a comment during the keynote on the first night that just resonated with me. I wrote it down in my journal and um, came home and prayed about it. And six months later, I hooked up with Cindy Sproles, who became my ministry partner. She had heard the very same comment, had written it down in her prayer journal and had been praying about it. And that's how we started Christian Devotions Ministries. And um, since that time, Cindy and I and a lot of others have just continued to um, help Christian authors uh, write the things that God places on their heart. Um, and I've been doing that. Well, I did that. Still can do do that with Christian Devotions Ministries. And for 10 years, uh, as an offshoot of that, we ran Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas, which was a small Christian press. Uh, we published fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. Uh, and then we sold that in 2019, right before COVID hit. Um, and uh, that has allowed me to go back to helping authors. It was uh, one of the things where I found it was very difficult to be kind and helpful when you're running a business. But if you're uh, if you're not doing that, <laughs> it's a little bit easier to, to help people. So uh, that's what that's what I do now. Okay. And I also uh, continue to write, which was the other thing I hadn't been able to do for about 10 years once I got into publishing that. Just took all my time. When did Jesus first so enter your life? That's a question I cannot answer. Uh, I'm one of those weird people that can never remember not being a Christian. Uh, I was the 1,000th member, at least this is the way I remember it, at St. Mark's United Methodist Church in Raleigh. Somehow I've got in my mind that I was the 1,000th member, even though I don't have documentation of that. Um, so it, it wasn't, you know, probably when I got into college, um, I do remember. Um, being in college and going to an auditorium in D.H. Hill Library uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I, that was a pretty big event in my life. Uh, and at some point, either before or after that, I went to New Life Camp in Raleigh uh, to be baptized, submersion in, in their pond. Um, but those are kind of like the only milestones. Everything else has just been going on. Okay. I identify with that. Um, I don't remember becoming a Christian. Um, but I just sort of was and uh, raised with a family who was not uh, serving God. And um, but I, I, I prayed, uh, didn't know why no one told me to. It just it was instinctively. Yes, don't know. But um, there was a time when I was about 10 or 11 when I really made a conscious volitional commitment. But um you know, that's kind of, it's an area of mystery for me. Uh, God just has a way of doing things. And sometimes he 
like John Newton meet, meet you in the middle of a sea storm, and other times he just sort of sneaks in. So I don't know. Well, what about you, Diana? Well, um, I was raised by an incredible um, godly parents. Grandparents were in my life. The church was just part of our lives uh, at family gatherings. I grew up listening to hymn, hymn singing. We would harmonize. And there's, I know with your a girl's ministry, John, uh, of music, when you share DNA, your vocal cords, there's a harmony that comes. Yeah, right. It's very special yeah. um, when you share DNA. It's why a lot of families, the Osmond family, the King Singers, you know, all these groups of families have could produce such beautiful music together. Um, it's it's an actual gifting that you get with family. So, you know, grew up in the church. And then um, I can remember church camp one summer making a real decision to uh, repent of my sin and follow, become a, a Christ follower. And I was very young, um, I'd say eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And of course, then I had what the Amish call Rumspringa years, where you go off on your own and you kind of, um, you know, see what the world has to offer. And I did find that the world didn't have anything to offer me that I really wanted to go after. So um, I visited all kinds of different churches. Scientology of that. And so I uh, just came back to uh, a biblical worldview from that uh, exploration mm-hmm. and went on to Bible college and took uh, apologetics, studied apologetics and um, missionology, went to the mission field in Haiti, where I became a medical missionary, um, pulled teeth and uh, did minor mouth surgeries under the uh, species of Mother Teresa's group there. Really? And oh. it was, um, I think back to it now and I'm like, what? I did what? <laughs> <laughs> but remember the first tooth I extracted was an American pastor. And it was, I couldn't believe when he, he actually got numb and I actually extracted the tooth and he was happy because that was my first, first extraction. I mean, I knew the process <laughs> because I worked for an oral surgeon back in the States. I was a surgical assistant, but, you know, doing it yourself yeah. uh, is another did, thing. Did he but know that, that was your first extraction? I didn't tell him until afterwards, but um, it was amazing because just offering medical services to people really opened doors to ministry, you know, mm-hmm. at that time. And I I think my heart, Eddie knows this as my uh, friend for years, that my heart is always leaning towards missions. He's always wondering when I'm going to take off again, but um, yeah, okay. I have family here, so. It keeps me here. But as far as writing, Eddie and I, our paths collided when I worked for the Heartline Literary Agency, and he was a client of Heartline. And so I've kind of um, known Eddie, wow, and observed he and Cindy Sproles 
developed the ministry of Christian devotions. And now at this season of our lives, he and I partnered up to uh, with a coaching business called Reality Coaching for Writers. And we're enjoying that um, where we provide individualized coaching, uh, predominantly Christian writers to help them get the words that God's put on their heart out to the world in one format or another. Well, how did you get into uh, the line of work, this line of work? Was that um, always a dream of yours or did it just sort of develop over the years in missions? Or t- tell me how you made the transition from missions <laughs> to writing. Well, I've, I've always been an avid reader since, you know, early on when my mother took me to the library and I would be in the little circle on the floor. And so story has always fascinated me. And I'm in a family of readers. We, our coffee table was piled with books and magazines as well as our bathroom. And um, so reading was big for me. And um, when my life journey took me to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, after the mission field, um, I started to attend a a book club with Joyce Hart, the CEO and founder of Heartline Literary Agency. And so we were in that book club and she saw my passion for words and for writing. And um, we used to share prayer requests. So she said, right now I'm praying my um, editorial assistant in the office is going on maternity leave and I need someone in the office. So I went home, thought about that, and I called her and I said, Joyce, what would that look like? Um, and she just said, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Later, later, she kind of uh, regretted that moment, I mean, at times, because she never checked my skills. I ended up uh, <laughs> running the accounting, writing huge royalty checks and and I hadn't, I was learning as I went how to do that. But that's where then a year at, later, I became a, an agent. And for 17 years, I was a literary agent with Heartline representing authors to Christian publishers. Um, and John, that's where you and I. Yes, I was going to tell our listening, our listening audience that you're, you're an old friend and you were my first agent. Yes. Yeah. Well, those are great times. Seemed like a long time ago, but I guess it wasn't that long. <laughs> and your book, your book, Your 100-Day Prayer, uh-huh. it, is, it is one of the books I'm most proud of, getting out there together, working on that. That It's such a valuable resource. I use it over and over again, John. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to ask you both, uh, you can add uh, your thoughts here too, Eddie. What, what about the future of Christian publishing? Uh, I know things are changing. They're changing quickly. They're changing upside down and backwards. Um, how do you see Christian publishing in the future? Uh, <laughs> Eddie, I'll let you, I'll yeah, let you go first. This is something that's, it's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, in hindsight, looking back when I felt the nudge to sell LPC, um, I, I was really just trying to get out from under the burden of it, um, honestly. Um, and, but in hindsight, it was, again, just the spirit kind of leading me to where the next big trend is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hate to use the word canceled, but that is what's coming. It's already happened. Um, I was actually had an email from an author, an old LPC author, and um, she was let go of her job this past spring. 
simply because uh, she's a Christian. Wow. And people that she, she worked with uh, felt threatened just because of her faith. And she hadn't said anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, That's very and strange, it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and you, you, you know, you hear a story like that and we read it in the news and, you know, after two or three of those, you go, this, this is not normal. No. There's something else going on. And uh, I told her, I said, we're on the front lines and only a few of us are recognizing that we're on the front lines of an advance that's coming towards us. Yeah, that's right. So without trying to sound, you know, too apocalyptic or anything, um, if you're a Christian author and you are writing the things that God places on your heart, you are going to have a difficult time in the future. I think so. Getting your words out there, unless unless you go to the direction that the Spirit tells you to go. Yeah. No, it's going to be very uh, interesting to see what happens because uh, the, the world is changing so quickly in the wrong directions. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm not shocked anymore, but I'm just surprised at the things happening every 24 hours. But um, well, what about you, uh, Diana? What do you think about Christian publishing? I think we're going to he- be heading into a strong wind, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens here. Well, I think um, that was part of the nudge that it took me almost four years to um, withdraw from being a literary agent, even though I uh, felt the nudge um, because it was becoming harder and harder to sell worthy books to publishers. Um, and I, the pandemic came along and totally uh, changed the the stratosphere for publishing because many people weren't uh, in their offices, editors and publishers were scrambling books that were launched in the middle of a pandemic, uh, weren't finding readership because you couldn't do the marketing and face-to-face things. And so I think it between the pandemic and where publishing was going, it it combined to um, birth a new movement in publishing for Christians, which has finally removed the stigma of self-publishing. Mm-hmm. And it used to be if if someone had a self-published book, there was a stigma attached. And yeah. once somebody had self-published, they found it hard to find a traditional publisher to take them on because traditionally, and Eddie will tell you, uh, this self-published books do not... Uh, sell large numbers. They just, you know, because they don't have the machine behind them helping them. But I think going through something like a worldwide pandemic has shown us that it's not about the numbers, even though they're nice, but we have really boiled things down to let's get the words that God has given us out to the people that need them. And Self-publishing now has taken on that challenge in wonderful ways, and books are getting out that publishers just wouldn't take. It was frustrating for me as an agent the last couple years, John, because I would have a book dripping with anointing, and no one would take it because it was an unknown person that lived way back in the, you know, podunk USA, and they wouldn't they wouldn't take the financial risk to publish something that was so incredibly worthy of publishing. So for me, I just 
I had many of those projects. And so the frustration to not find them a publishing home, it was, it weighed heavier and heavier on me. So now with this shift, as Eddie and I are coaching writers, we're able to help them, you know, just encourage them to continue writing till they complete something. And then Eddie coaches people in the self-publishing aspect of it. So it's, that's a mission of mine to come alongside writers in that way now. That's my shift. Well, that was one of my questions down the road here. But since we're talking about that, um, what, what I feel about that is that if, if I'm looking for, to make the big money, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh, <laughs> and I, I want to write words that God gives to me. And uh-huh. I made a promise to him that even if I don't make any money, I'm going to continue writing because I think you can use it in your own creative ways. And somehow it has a way of working itself into people's hands. Uh, so I, I do it not because I think I'm going to become a, a millionaire or anything like that. By the way, I, I talked to a man, a Christian, just about two weeks ago. He wrote his first book, a devotional gift book, at the age of 50, mm-hmm. and not knowing how it was going to sell, and he sold almost 11 million copies. What? <laughs> yeah. What? I know. And I thought, now how did you do that? Um, of course, he was connected to the publishing industry, but he said uh, the key is gift books, devotionals, and lots and lots of scripture. See, people want scripture. Hmm. So that that's what he said. I, uh, what do you think about that? I mean, is that, is that something you see happening? Uh, or is um, this a, a one-off? I would definitely think that's a one-off, but I'm going to hand this one over to Eddie. Well, I, ahead, Eddie. I guess my comment would be that anytime you've got primarily the word of God, it's going to find a home. Um, I think yeah. so too. And I mean, I, I tell speakers all the time and writers kind of the same thing, especially preachers. Though, you know, I've, I've got this whole thing with sermons. So I agree that a lot of times just putting scripture in a book and giving people a chance to write down what the spirit's saying to them. I, I think that's a bestseller. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Well, I, uh, I agree with that. And um, I've been recently writing uh, devotionals. I've had a couple cents. I talked to you, Diana, uh-huh. and uh, I think gift books, devotionals with lots of scripture, that, that sounds good to me. And um, whatever else happens, at least people read the scripture. You know, they may not have been thrilled by what we said about it, but um, it's scripture. That's where the power is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And you said about gift book. I think with the stress that the world is living under right now, um, even Christians, the daily stress of people that are losing jobs and downsizing and housing, unavailability for housing and, and just inflation, I think short, short books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say that too. I believe that's the case. They don't want 300 page books anymore, do they? <laughs> we just don't have the time or the attention span yeah, right. because our minds are fractured in so many ways. So yeah. short and sweet, I think there's the market is growing for that. Eddie and I just talked about that yesterday a little bit uh, in our podcast. So yeah, short and sweet. What I have in mind is about 50 pages. Does that sound good to you? I think, hey, John, I think 50 pages is a great length because, again, to, to the point we're making, at 50 pages, somebody goes, I can do that. Yeah, not insurmountable, is it? Yeah. And if you break it up into daily devotionals, that's what, five minutes per day, maybe? Something like that? Seven mm-hmm. minutes? 
people want to do that. Well, let me ask you a couple um, other questions here about advice and encouragement to aspiring writers. Lots of people out there want to become writers. Uh, I'm amazed at how many books are written by Christians these days. Uh, but what encouragements, is, um, advice, or warnings would you give to people who are intending to write? I'll, I'll start, Nettie. You can bring it home. Um, we talk about this a lot on Reality Coaching for Writers. Um, the biggest thing is to to start, but also to have a realistic view of the work involved. Don't just, I mean, if you're going to attach the name of Christ to anything, you want your work and your words to be polished and excellent in um in, in presentation because you can't just write down a first draft and publish it. And then people are struggling over your poor sentence structure. And so you definitely need, first of all, to learn the craft of writing. That's right. What about you, Eddie? Eddie? Go ahead. I would add the craft is important and it will come. Um, but that said, if you never start, you'll never get there. So. Oh, yeah. The, the problem with that advice that we gave is sometimes people become intimidated and they go, oh, I'm not ready yet. So they never get anything done. They, they, they keep rewriting and never publish. At some point, you're going to have to just you're going to have to put yourself out there and realize how badly you did the job. But that, <laughs> that's how everybody advances. That's why Deion Sanders is the coach at Colorado now, because, you know, he started at a smaller college. I mean, you got to start somewhere and make mistakes and move up. Um so there's there's that. The main thing I would say is do not define success yourself because that's not your role. Mm -hmm. um, if we've been given a calling to go do anything by God, uh, we don't define success, success he does. And so yeah, do not look at right. don't look at sales numbers. Don't look at how many people are following you, how many hits you get, your impressions on your website. All those are measures of success that will discourage us. Just keep doing the thing you've been called to do. Um, and let him define us. Sure. Uh, we, we were called to faithfulness, not to uh, visible great success. Um, let me ask you before I, before I pass, pass along to the last question, or last two questions, uh, how do people get in touch with your work? How, how do they find your information online? Eddie? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the, there's a, the website is uh, Writer's Coach dot us so there's coach.us okay yeah, yeah there's an s in there after writers okay and it's dot us uh, we jokingly say it's about it's all about us diana and i so dot, <laughs> that's how you can remember, how you can remember it <laughs> okay uh let me just ask you uh what your future is what are you what are you planning to do any any new projects new things you're taking on I have a vision for us to offer virtual conferences to churches mm -hmm. and in-person short weekend conferences where we help congregations because I do believe God is calling many people within the church to write. And they're asking the, that question you said, where do you start? And that's our heart to come alongside these people. So uh, in order to help more, it might be something that would really reach more people that way. Eddie, I'm sorry, you were going to say something. No, I was going to follow up with what you said. It, the, the coaching that we do, uh, we call it co writing coaching, and that's what that's the nuts and bolts of it. But it's also, it's also worship. It's also ministry work. 
And um, mm-hmm. every every time that Diana and I either do this virtually or we have done it in person at writers' conferences, and I've seen Diana at appointment tables praying with people, heads down, the conferees heads down, they're holding hands. Uh, I've witnessed this at writers' conferences with her. So when we're, we're coaching people, either in person or virtually, it's it's worship and ministry work. Sure. Uh, the nuts and bolts happen, but but other things happens and well, and you can't, you know, if, if you're, if the body's gathered together, he's glorified. So we're all about doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everything we do actually is a form of worship, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's whether you're eating lunch or talking to somebody or preaching or reading the Bible, that's all different forms of worship that, that pleases God, isn't it? I think we've uh, maybe restricted the, the definition of worship yeah. uh, too much. And people have an idea that's what you do on Sunday in a in a church building. Well, I, yeah. Go ahead. I'll I'll jump in and say that's that's one of the things that the Spirit has moved me away from in the past six months, and it's what I call the performance worship, which is what we normally do yeah, on yeah. Sundays, versus the participatory worship, which is you go out into the community and you're doing what Jesus did when he walked around. And there's yeah. there, one we receive in. The other, we're spending our time, most of our time giving back out. And that's what Diana and I, you know, that's Diana's heart. I, I know that, knew that from the very beginning. She was giving out all the time to the point where she is exhausted sometimes. <laughs> True. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about a, a free question? What would you wish you had said after it's over? This conversation is <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, I already, knew, I already knew which one I was going to, because there were two answers to, to the other question. And so I, I would, I'll, the encouragement I would give to authors is do not be intimidated because you think the topic has already been covered sub- substantially by everybody else. Uh, you have your own unique voice um, and the spirit's going to speak to you in a, in a way that he isn't going to speak to somebody else. And as an example of that, just look at the four gospels. Uh, Mark had a motivation for why he wrote what he did. Matthew had a different motivation. Mm-hmm. Luke wrote for a different reason. And then there was John. Uh, and had any of them failed to be obedient, we would not have the, the full understanding of Christ that we have. So mm-hmm. never never look at it and go, well, somebody's already done Jesus calling. There's no need for another short devotional. Don't, don't believe that. There's always room for one more. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Oh, that's so good. Um, I, I just... Just don't be afraid. God gave you a voice and um, and giftings, and he means for us to use them. And the reason is so that he can get his glory. Mm-hmm. If our heart is to want him to get the glory he deserves, then uh, just bravely step forward and use your gifts. You've been listening to Diana Flagel and Eddie Jones give their best advice from 30 years of experience in the publishing industry. You can visit them at writerscoach.us. Please watch for our other upcoming interviews with believers from all walks of life. And don't forget to check our growing list of extraordinary people, writers, scientists, filmmakers, and frontline leaders. Thanks for listening today. Again, this is your host, John Snyder. Bye for now.